Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Zone Star State Podcast. I'm Matthew Bruni, and joining me once again is Ishmael Johnson. Ish, fresh off of your uh, North Texas experience, um, mm-hmm. Denton, how, how are you feeling? Feeling good, man. Feeling good. It was uh, for or second, I guess, second game inside the the Super Pit. I went to their uh, NIT game against Texas State last year. Mm. I guess this one was more of a kind of an observation you know i'd have a rooting interest so like it was definitely yeah. more of an observational game um pretty cool no no it's, it's cool to see that team in person when i'm not trying to yell at texas state to not let tyler perry shoot but <laughs> oh that game last year was so nuts i think it was, it was crazy and i'm just I, yeah I, the whole the whole i remember the whole late game like what, just don't let him touch the ball like yeah. they're not gonna if you just don't and then of course he just touches the ball and ends up scoring and it was like all right man just gonna let him get a deep three fine okay shout out Tyler Perry um I saw a stat we'll start with this stat um that North Texas has now started five and one in conference for mm. five straight years man and I just think that's a just ridiculous consistency stat. Um, man I mean we, we don't talk uh I you know obviously. I tried to remember to talk about North Texas at times, but mm-hmm. uh, they are year in, year out, one of the most consistent teams in Texas over the past five years. I mean, from start to finish, they are consistently in the conference title hunt. They've obviously won two regular season titles. They've won a tournament title. They've won a tournament game. Like, And now it looks like they're building towards what could be another special year. Now 5-1 and one in conference, beat Louisiana Tech. The big game, which we'll touch on briefly, but the big game is this weekend. They play FAU on Saturday mm-hmm. on the road. FAU uh, considered by every, everybody to be the top team in Conference USA, top like 40 in Kimpom, top 15 in the net. North Texas lost to them by two or four last time they played. Um, so that'll be the big game this weekend. But overall, how was your experience? What did you see? What did you like? What did you hate? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> a lot of it did fit what I kind of <laughs> expected about this team. I mean, defensively, they were pretty good. Isaiah Crawford had a really good game, uh, 25 points, 6 yeah. of 13. He got to the line a ton. Um, yeah. But outside of him, it, it did seem like they struck. Keaston Willis had a pretty good game, um, and, but it was mostly it was a lot of struggle shots, it felt like. Like a lot of like, you know, some maybe some uh, some defensive lapses on North Texas part as opposed to like L.A. or La Tech getting buckets. Um, they I noticed that a lot of possessions did start with Keiston Willis attacking. Interestingly enough, um, I can't remember if it was Hunsbury who obviously ended up hitting the the, the game. Hunsbury winner. did have a few defensive lapses in this. Yeah, game. so I want a lot of the possessions started with. Keiston Willis getting the ball at the top of the key and then straight up pick and roll, take Huntsbury off to the left. Um, and so whether it was that, whether they just saw something when he gets in those situations to where they could capitalize on, I don't know. Um, but I noticed, especially late in the second half, that was a lot of their initial um, sets. Regardless, I mean, offensively, I was actually kind of impressed. Um, they had their, I texted you, they had their little stretch of five minutes where they didn't score. They were stuck on 49 for a long time. Um, but I will say the ball movement was a lot better than I thought. I think the one, the one question I kind of have was that's a lot of Matthew Stone minutes, man. Ooh, <laughs> it's a lot. Uh, it's, it's that's a lot of like, it felt like he was in the game for like pivotal stretches at times. He says well, it. Yeah. Like I, I, and they didn't have, I mean, Uzmain and, um, Aaron Scott had foul trouble, but yeah. like, 
not to where I don't know, there wasn't that much foul trouble to where like I thought Matthew Stone needed to play that much. Mm-hmm. The reason why I bring him up is the stalling came when he played a lot of and it, it I could see Grant McCaslin, like he's a very animated coach on the sidelines, right? And I could see him trying to verbal and it wasn't just stone it was it was tyler perry too sometimes um telling guys to go through telling guys to flash at the corner and it a lot of the time it felt like stone was like in the corner and like he just stayed in the corner when uh when grant's telling him like no go you know go baseline go to the other corner flash to the wing one time he ran into tyler perry on a Mm -hmm. pick and roll like he set a pick and he he went the same way as Tyler Perry yeah. when he was trying to like flash back out and like the, uh, Grant called timeout. And he's like, "What? Like no, like absolutely not." Um, so I don't know. I, I, that's my only concern is their depth. Is because like that's a lot of Matthew Stone minutes, and it did look like they like kind of like you mentioned, like he needed to be out there for some periods of time because whether it was Aaron Scott or somebody was in foul trouble, and they didn't have as many bodies? I don't know. Um, he only played 14 minutes, but it felt like a lot more, to be honest. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It felt like it was a lot of it was in the second half, or at least in, in big moments. Um, yeah. Because in theory, you have Tyler, Kai, and Ruben as your sure. three guards. And so either they're the one through three, or they're the one twos. Um, and then you have Aaron Scott, Tyree Edie, um, Jaden Martinez rotate your three fours. Um, most, I mean, uh, Scott and Martinez are fours most, more so, but like they can mm-hmm. go small if they need to. Yeah. Um, at the, honestly, this was one of their best offensive games of the season. I mean, mm-hmm. 18 assists to 13 turnovers. They shoot 56% from two, 42% from three. Um, we, we joke, we kept joking, um, on, our, on the North Texas podcast, uh, podcast, it was like, well, they're just gonna have to hold every team to fifty to win. Like that—that <laughs> right. that was literally the feeling through five games of conference play. And lo and behold, they go up and put sixty-seven. Which for this team, it's considering the pace they play with. I mean, sixty-seven points might as well be eighty for a normal team. Like that's a well, really, that's, really that's, good a, that's an efficient, efficient shooting. I mean, fifty percent from the floor. Um, of course, Tyler Perry got going from beyond late. Um, and yeah. It, what you know what offensively aside from that stretch i mean again if they don't if they don't stall out this is probably a way more comfortable win that has to be yeah. you know than than it was uh kai hunsbury of course hitting the baseline jumper to to win the game um which i thought i mean honestly that set i wonder if i'll have to go back and watch that set tyler perry was not like it was, it was, it was like much, a it was, decoy a little bit. Yeah, it was very much that that shot was like supposed to be Kai Hunsbury making a decision. Yeah. Either he's going to take that baseline jumper or make a pass. So yeah. I'll have to go back and watch that set because I don't know. Maybe that's something they're going to try more this year when pe- teams know that Tyler Perry is going to be the guy in those situations. It's still, I mean, like I, 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 I'm cool with it because it went in. But sure. I still. Oh, trust me. I, when, when he took that shot, I was like, mm-hmm. I was like, like, all right, Kai. Like, it was literally a clear out for Tyler. They did a clear out. And then it's like, I guess, you know, he could have swung it, but it looked like a clear out to the baseline to where he could drive and go score. Right. And, and the funny like, the right. funny part is, they weren't successful on that shot. Like, they set up that baseline shot a lot that game. And that was not one of their successful no, it's, uh, it's, uh, shots of the game. So no, uh, they ended up making um, that one, though. Yeah, it wasn't a great defensive performance overall. I mean, lots. Of, I mean, the first half they scored, they held lots like to eighteen. Mm-hmm. Second half they allowed forty-seven, which is obviously not like them. But you know, late game scoring, La Tech is always going to play North Texas tough. Just no matter what, they have mm-hmm. some epic games over the past five years. Um, and then they got the FAU game coming up this week, so uh, we'll see. 
Um, they should have beat FAU at home when they played on the December 29th. Uh, that was real an unfortunate loss, but they get that done. So we'll see. Conference USA as a whole, I think, is pretty tough. Um, what's more yeah. difficult this year because it's more kind of saturated, you know, not as many filler teams in there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, even like your bottom of the conference, FIU and UTEP are very capable. FIU's already beaten UAB. Um, so you have those two teams here. Like UTSA is the only team that's not worth anything but everybody else is tough so we'll see um how they do on a little road trip to fau and fiu um, but we had to give start the podcast off with north texas and um it's just experience there so one out of ten i need it for the for the north texas survey (laughs) admissions yeah, yeah. Once you once you buy your ticket, oh, how was your game time experience? Yes, exactly. um, I'll, I'll I'll give it a six. It was it was a good experience, good yeah. game. Uh, the one the one I made this comment to um, uh, Ashley Pick on Mallory, who are in, who are good people to go with because like obviously they emceed those games and all. Obviously yeah. going to UNC, the one thing that I I think could make the super pit a lot better is the audio is so condensed to the middle, like that it feels really awkward at times when like. If it's not a really rowdy crowd, it was like it was an yeah. okay crowd of Wednesday night, right? And so it was like it was a decent turnout, but it wasn't a very loud crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you're playing music and you're do, you know doing all the the the, the game time stuff, it's all kind of condensed to the middle, and it doesn't. And if it doesn't translate to everybody else, it's kind of quiet on the outside. And so mm-hmm. like it, it's a really it's a really like it could be it's kind of awkward at times when like you know a player hype video is going on and no one's really kind of going crazy on the outside. And so yeah. I was like, if they had like a couple speakers like behind the fans to make it seem like it's more of a environment. I don't know. That was one of my that was one of my takeaways. Um, like I said, UNT North uh, Texas State was great last year because uh, it was a rowdy crowd. It was like you yeah. know, a competitive game, things like that. But in these games where maybe it takes a little bit to 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 kind of get the crowd going, yeah. oh, I noticed I noticed the audio kind of being because and then I looked up and I saw kind of all the speakers in the middle. So I don't know. That was just one thing that I kind of noticed could make it Whoa. a little bit more of a um, energetic environment. Well, hopefully in like 10 years or so, they just have a new stadium. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hopefully that's, that's the, that was the plan. I don't know if that's still right. the plan, but we'll see. All right. Texas A&M ish is now three and O and could be four and O if they beat South Carolina on Saturday tomorrow, obviously South Carolina just beat Kentucky, but Kentucky uh, is tripping over themselves and is awful at basketball now, apparently. So um, maybe AM struggles with South Carolina on the road, but I yep. wouldn't bet on it. Uh, I think they win. So that would put them at 4 0. So let's talk about this team in the context of them being 4 0 in conference with wins on the road at Florida, at home against LSU, and at the home against Missouri. Both of those home wins were by double digits. I was about to say, they smacked Missouri. Yeah, I mean, they did they pretty much smacked LSU, too, for the most part. I mean, it was, wasn't was like a you know textbook game, but defensively, they completely took LSU out of what they wanted to do. Missouri right. comes back after being down double digits and cuts it to two or ties the game at one point. I think it was two. I don't think they ever tied it, but they come back, and then I'm like, okay, we got a game, and then A&M just puts them away. And I thought that said a lot. Like, that made me actually, like, open my eyes, like, okay, this team could actually be, be pretty good. And then I've said before – the first half of their schedule is pretty easy. So you have mm-hmm. South Carolina, then Florida, then Kentucky as your next three games, and you're already three and zero. Like, it could be five and one at some point going moving forward. Yeah, man. I think 
the thing that's impressed me most, especially with against Missouri, because again, Missouri started off hot. Dennis Gates has looked like an excellent hire for them. Um, so I didn't yeah. expect, I mean, I didn't expect anyone to win, much less blow them out. The thing that kind of impressed me most about that game in particular was how quickly they got into that offense and how quick, like so many, go back and watch that game. So many of their shots are within like 15 seconds, right, of the shot clock. Um, like they're taking open looks with like 20, 22 seconds left on the shot clock, things like that. Um, and it, it, it kind of, you know, we, we talked about how, how maybe this team isn't as, as top heavy as like you would expect from a conference contender. And in a way I still feel that way, but like, I don't know. They're kind of just finding a way to get it done top to bottom, you know, like, like go look at the point distribution of this game. Tyrese Radford, six, 16, uh, Henry Coleman, Nixon, 10. Nixon double figures. Right, yeah. Like, And, you know, it wasn't even Wade Taylor, who's their best player. Not, it wasn't even him going off, right? Uh, Tyrese Radford had the most assists. Wade Taylor had more turnovers than assists. And so it wasn't exactly a clean game from their their star. Um, and they just have what they shoot, 10 to 30, 23 from three, 63% from two. Like, they were able to generate easy looks against a Missouri team that's, like I said, been rolling. Um and granted, their Missouri's defense has not been good this year, so like that yeah. was a way to that was a way to get Missouri, but they were able to kind of slow them down enough on the offensive end, um, slow Missouri down on the offensive end to be able to take advantage on the other side. It feels like the whole thing, and I, I agree with you. I still don't think this team, as far as being top heavy goes or having like a star goes, I just don't don't see it. I don't know how many of these players make or if any of these players make a all-conference team. Sure. Like Wade Taylor probably will, or Radford might make a second team. But it feels like their biggest strength right now is they know who they're playing. They've mm-hmm. only played seven guys double-digit double, double digit minutes, or six guys double-digit minutes. And it feels like they are, I don't want to call them unpredictable, but they're balanced to a point where they're able to sustain consistency Mm-hmm. because they can do it in different ways with different players. If Wade Taylor's not playing well, it's Radford. Mm-hmm. Radford's not playing well, it's Dennis. And you kind of go down the list from there. So, I mean, I'm still – look, I, I don't think this is a very talented team. Like, if you're ranking the SEC based on talent alone, they're probably in the bottom four, bottom five. Mm-hmm. Like, But they they figured something out. I think Buzz Williams – I said coming into the year, I had high expectations for AM because I think Buzz Williams is actually a good coach. And then they go out and have an awful non conference season. And so now I was, then I was forced to be like, well, I guess he's not that good of a coach and they should fire him. And now they're three, about to be 4 0 in conference. And I still don't know how good this team can be. Sure. If, it, if this team feels like, you know, we should, you know, we, we, we should mention also like the hype came from bringing everybody back as well after the NIT run. And so it was like, okay, I don't know if they've necessarily taken a step forward as players, right? I think these are good, like Wade Taylor, Radford, Coleman, these are players that were good last year and they're still good this year. So I don't know if it's like them taking a step forward necessarily as opposed to them just getting into their stride earlier, right? Like last year, it took a little bit. This year obviously took a little bit. Um, but it's it it didn't take as long, right? Last year was more like in the middle of conference play. Okay, this team's pretty good. They probably should uh, make a tournament. Obviously, they didn't. This year, it's like okay, right when conference starts, they're flipping a switch. Uh, there's Wade Taylor's playing more minutes. I don't. I'll have to look at how 
because he's playing more minutes, and so that's why his numbers are up. But I don't know if that was like, you know, I didn't see his per 36 last year. So I don't know if he was like they were just playing him less and he was actually still putting up the same numbers. Um, I would have to go back and look. But obviously he's taking a step forward numbers-wise, but he's also playing almost twice as much um, as he was last year. But regardless, um, yeah, this is – a all of a sudden this is a team that we gotta got to start paying attention to because their schedule's easy. Um, like we mentioned with Kentucky, who – should have been – I mean, I, they still got – let me see. I'm trying to think. They still got Arkansas uh, twice. They still got Alabama once. Um, and Tennessee once. And Tennessee once. So other than that, when you take Kentucky out of there in terms of being like a team that they're intimidated by, yeah, the schedule looks even weaker. Um, so we'll see. I mean, this, uh, Ken Palm now has them projected, I think, still at 10? 11 wins now, um, which, of course, takes into account their recent form. So – um, you know, how much how much of that will sustain, we'll see. But they have them finishing third right now behind Tennessee and Alabama. We'll see. They got all they got Auburn in what two weeks, I think it is. Yep. Uh that'll Auburn be a big, big one too. So um we'll see. That'll be a good litmus test there. And I said so. you know, and I say Arkansas, right? And they're 14th in Ken Palm, but they're still, you know, they haven't looked excellent, it's right? Cool. They got blown out by Alabama what Wednesday. Um, and they got blown up by Auburn. So they're still a young team too, um, probably more talented on paper, but still playing a lot of true freshmen that are still trying to gel together. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's go to Texas and TCU because, man, they had a game. Oh, they my had gosh. a basketball game in the Moody Center. And TCU looked like they were they were going to do it. They were up 21 to 11 at one point in the first half. They went up 13 going into halftime. Uh, Texas still couldn't really make a dent in it for the first half of the second half. like, mm-hmm. And then it just kind of turned around. Texas completely flipped the switch. And my whole thing, I want to start here with, with TCU real quick. TCU is the number one fastest offense in the Big 12. Like We've kind of mm-hmm. talked about this. They kind of just go uh, when they get the ball. They have the number one average time of possession on offense at only 15 seconds per possession, incredibly mm-hmm. fast team. And it felt like once Texas figured that out and stopped mm-hmm. that, like it's not easy to stop, but once you, they stopped that, TCU in the half court against this Texas defense was just like, we don't have a ton of options. And they still scored the ball at a pretty efficient clip. I mean, uh, obviously as a as a team overall, they, they shot 56% from uh, – or I'm sorry, they shot, yeah, 57% from two – only four fifteen from three, but only got to line sixteen times. Uh, had fourteen turnovers to eleven assists. It's like once you slow TCU down, they're a lot more manageable as a team, and it comes a little bit more uh, simplified. Sure, yeah, I agree. I think you watch the early part of that game, and TCU gets out to a run because either Texas turns the ball over or they miss a shot, and so TCU's rebounding and getting going on the other end. Um, it, you know, they're. Texas's offense kind of played into helping out their defense a bit, right? They started making a little bit of shots. Yep. And so that way, Texas, TCU had to take the ball out and actually, you know, Texas State could set up. As we know, this team's not going to be a defensive power under Rodney Terry. That's not his style of coaching, right? But regardless, what we are seeing is them, they've taken a step forward offensively. They now know that they have they have the confidence to, if they don't turn the ball over, right, which has been an issue for them sometimes, um, they can put up shots and they have guys who can get, 
any they have three four guys on any night can be their night right timmy allen led the led the team this uh with 17 but serge Jabari rice had 15 dylan desu had a 14 right they have so many options this year so whereas just isn't marcus carr timmy allen kind of hoping you know maybe a courtney ramey on a weird night it what like it was last year now mm-hmm. they have multiple guys who know that they don't need to they don't need to force shots right they can kind of play within themselves and kind of get things going um rodney terry had talked about it a little bit after the game because you know eventually they were down 18 before they came back and and won um what was the final 79-75 and he said let's see this young generation is a visual learning crew we have a great video crew so we showed the turnovers in the video of the baskets which were really hurting us to start the half our guys got a chance to see that. Our guys were driving into traffic. We weren't strong with the ball, making passes he said we couldn't make against his team, and as a result, they were scoring in transition. The ball was sticking. The ball wasn't moving like it needed to. I think our guys got a chance to see that. We have to come out and be strong with the ball and play inside out and trust your teammates. So, I mean, it was basically like, hey, these are fixable errors, right? Because I remember there was one – one wasn't even a pass. One was like Marcus Carr just like not looking at um yeah. I think it was Damian Baugh who like just like reached pickpocketed him and just like went down for the other end. Um I think it was Chuck O'Bannon actually. But like things like that were just like okay, just like focus, right? Like literally just like stay with it. Um and you know, Texas is 14 and 2 now. Like TCU was 13 and 2 going into this game and they should, by all accounts, have won this. And now Texas has a struggling Texas Tech coming up. They have Iowa State, who's looked really good recently. Iowa um, State, terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but then you got West Virginia and Oklahoma State. So, like, again, as far as like easy stretches in the Big 12 goes, this is probably as easy as you're going to get, right? Texas Tech, a good Iowa State team, but then West Virginia and Oklahoma State, who aren't as you know they're they they're down as worth compared to what they were uh, the past couple of years, and then you get a tough game against Tennessee. So like this is a good stretch in terms of um, uh, maybe pushing this record a little bit. Yeah, damn that Tennessee game, that Big Twelve SEC challenge is just sitting there. Fun game, like, man. That is that's gonna be a very well. fun game. But you're like, if you're Texas, you're like, okay, we we get a break from the Big Twelve. For a second, then they have to play Tennessee. It's like the best. Well, it, it's not even that. Like Tennessee, Baylor, Kansas State, Kansas. That's yeah, that the, run. That's, that's that run, man. That is insane. Oh, man. Um, but, yeah, I think you hit on everything really well. I think Texas offensively has taken a step forward defensively. We'll see mm-hmm. uh, if they can get it together. Um, Tech has fallen off a cliff, so – um, yeah, man. We'll see. Fardos yeah. cannot get there soon enough. He is practicing. Uh, I saw Mark uh, Mark Adams say that. So my they need some type. They need some spark to change things up. So I don't know if he fixes everything because there looks like it's way more issues than what one guy can fix. But they do need somebody there. I mean, to, they to got, help out. They got Texas, Baylor, K State as the next two games. So there's a chance they go start 0 and 4. 0 and 7, yeah. sorry. 0 and 7. Yeah, it is. It is rough times, man. I'm 84 to 50. I was they lost yeah. to Iowa State, man. That is LSU versus Texas Tech, December 28th. I, or January 28th. I will be there. I don't think Oof. it'll be a good basketball game, but <laughs> yeah. I will be there watching Texas Tech play LSU. Um Oof. yeah. We'll see. Texas is going to be an interesting team to see if they can turn it around uh, or if they can, you know, keep it going from where we thought they were going to fall off a little bit. 
Sure. That was a big win. All right. Uh, last thing I have here is a little bit of a little bit of a whack update. Uh, you texted me that RGV beat Abilene Christian. I don't have my phone on me, but RGV beat Abilene Christian. Uh, what was it, eighty-four, eighty? And then UTA lost by about a million points to Grand Canyon. Um, I don't have anything to say. I think that was just an update we had to do because we had did a whole UTA segment last podcast, and they lose right. by forty-two to Grand Canyon. Yeah, I um. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Also, the RGV RGV beat AC one hundred three to eighty six. Yeah. Man, we talked about ACU's defense not being good, but one hundred three to RGV is 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 something. That's, you have to try a, to do that. That's bad. That's bad. Um, I mean, credit shout out to UT RGV though. I mean, that's a huge win for them. That yeah. was their uh, first win in conference, right? Uh, they start off over, um, and then they pick up a big yeah. win because. Right. Man, yeah, that's but that is that's scary hours for for ACU now. Um, Joe Pleasant, I don't think he's played that well since coming back. Um, let me see if I have his numbers right here. He I only put up they eight. have a lot of players. Not it's not the same team, obviously, but they sure, sure. But they've had players who've been the there two or three years, and it's yeah. just yeah. He's only oh god, he's only averaging six, seven points, three rebounds. Um, yeah, it's not great. Not good. <laughs> not good. All right. Um, on to the women's side. We have to start with my favorite team. I think our favorite team in the country, uh, mm. Houston women's basketball. Yes. We 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 talked and we joked and we laughed that they were three and three and ten. I think they were like two and ten at one point or two and eight, whatever they were. They beat UTSA in the game of the year in double overtime. Mm. Uh, then they went to conference play, and we were like, you know what? This is the best 3-1 team in the country. They're going to surprise people. They're going to be a decent team. And lo and behold, here they are, now 3-0 and in conference play. They just beat UCF 80-42. to And my favorite part about this UCF win is that they played nine players, 10 players double-digit minutes. So they're getting all of these players in here. And mm-hmm. statistically, they just they just lit it up. They just absolutely killed them and topped it. Like, this is what we thought it would be last year. Yes. And so when this year started off and they kept losing games, but they were close, they were close. They were like, can they please just get over the hump? Houston has officially gotten over the hump. Bria Patterson, Cameron Jones, Tatiana Hill, Brittany Onyeje, Layla Blair, Tiara Young, all the players that we've talked about the past few years, they're here. They've done it. Shout out Mm -hmm. to Houston. Yeah, this is – Man, this is a fun team right now. Uh, they have the number one offense and defense in terms of uh, uh, sh- uh, field goal percentage in the conference, right? So, like, this, they're starting off insanely hot. Let me look at these minutes distribution here. So, in conference, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight players, double figures, and then Asia Thompson just outside with 8.8, and then Demila Brown at eight, eight, points, uh, eight minutes a game. So, they're deep. Right, the playmakers we mentioned, Layla Blair, uh, uh, um, uh, Bria Patterson. I love that they're able to win and look this good without Layla Blair having to be this twenty-point scorer. Right, yeah. she's having, she's willing, she's now able to kind of step step within and be the playmaker. Right, she's leading the team in assists. She could probably limit her turnovers a little bit, but regardless, I mean, she's not having to do everything as what we saw last year. And because of players like Bria Patterson and Tatiana Hill and, you know, Brittany Onyeje and 
finally, right? Finally, this team's winning and we can stop. Like eventually we had to stop calling them the best whatever team because they were going to get, we were hoping that they were going to get to a win margin high enough to where they weren't going to be the best team at that win margin. But still six and 10 now. Uh, I still think they're within that margin of saying they're the best six-win team in the country. Yes, I think so. Um, but regardless, they're going to get to above 500, and they're going to be – I mean, they're going to be leading uh, – Not, I don't know about leading, but they're going to be right in the thick of this AAC race because um, mm-hmm. this is this is still an open conference and right there for the taking, really. So, so USF, South Florida, I think is – was – I don't know. I haven't looked at the preseason rankings, but USF yeah, yeah, is yeah. probably the favorite to win the conference right sure sure they lost to texas by five they beat alabama early in the year they have some good results they're a good team they're four zero. uh then you have tulsa and that's that's houston's next two games they have tulsa who's three and zero in conference in south florida who's four and zero. um they've already beat smu um tulane who's one and three right now i think is better than their record U- ucf they beat so we'll see these next two games will be tough they could still lose these two games sure and have a very very productive really good season like these two games don't like mean a ton except if they're trying to you know obviously win the conference but mm-hmm. at the end of the day you have a road game at Tulsa you have a home game versus UCF and then you have a road game at SMU as your next two games honestly if they get one of those three and they improve to four and two I'm still very very happy with this team yeah no I definitely 100 percent um dude and then the other side of the spectrum I, I don't even know how to transition this. Rice basketball, women's basketball, apparently just <sighs> forgot how to play basketball. Yeah, and man, all the excitement that I had for the first two months of the year. I was saying rank this team-ish. Sure. No, they they, they were playing that good. That's what I said. I said They're that. one and four now in Conference USA. They, they lost to Middle Tennessee by 30 points. And Middle's good, obviously. Middle's yeah. Probably no, the, the, right. That's one of the – it's probably the favorite, would you say, right, in the, yeah, in but, the Conference USA? Yeah. But like, we thought Rice would be right there with them. And exactly. you get smacked by the team you're supposed to be right there next to. And that is a bad look. <laughs> I'm looking on schedule for when they play North Texas because they need that game. Yeah. They need that game on the schedule. They got UTEP <laughs> up again. They beat they UTEP. Like, <laughs> they beat UTEP last time, but do I think they're going to beat UTEP on the road this time, yeah. considering right. their form? Probably not. Then they have a home game, the home stretch against UTSA and North Texas, January 16th and 19th. They, those are just must-win games, or else I will come on here and just light myself Light, light everything on fire because you can't lose to UTSA North Texas after what we've seen this year. Yeah. Like, yeah. I know. I wonder. Let me see. Because in this game, Malia, both Malia Fisher and Ashley Austin fouled out. And then Destiny Jackson and India Bellamy had four fouls. Like they fouled. They had 28 fouls. Jesus They Christ. can't stay in front of it. It's like right. defensively, we thought def- defense would be their – the question mark, right? We thought defense sure, sure. would be the the thing that could hold them back because they allowed basically seventy to eighty points to everybody that they played outside of TCU and mm-hmm. A and M. But like, it's just it's not it's not enough. And the thing yeah, is, they first played Middle Tennessee, they lost by fourteen, and now right. you go and lose by thirty. So, yeah, I don't know what to say. Yeah, it's it's not good. Um, yeah, I'm just looking. This team fouls a ton, man. This is like you said, their defensive lapses and just not bad contests and not being able to stay in front of people. Yeah, this is just a team that just gives up a ton of fouls and free throws and easy looks. Um, I'm trying to think, what's their 
I don't know what their ranking is in terms of fouls yeah. per game. Uh, they are, yeah, uh, they are tenth in the conference in foul rate. Okay, tenth out so of eleven great. teams. There you yeah. go. Yeah, there you go. All right. Oh um, my God, there are three. I went national. I was like, I'm curious, what's their national rank? Or three forty three, three sixty one. Who's the Who's the conference team below them? I want to know. That's actually a good point. Let me let me see. I uh, want to do eleven. I hope it's not. Yeah, North her hoop stats doesn't have the that type of number. So yeah, I'm, I know. I'll, to, I'll um, look it up. You, just you look up North Texas and UTSA. Actually, might be a good shout. I can see. Uh, I can see, see. UTSA gonna, being down there. I'm gonna look. Uh, I don't think North it's Texas. UTEP. I haven't seen La Tech or UAB or Middle see, North Texas. That's a good. Yeah, look. Check is. check that one out. Um, oh, it's not North. North Texas is actually first. They don't foul a lot. Oh, good. That's good. They they first just team. let teams score. They don't they don't try. <laughs> they don't try to stop them. They just they just like here. Go to the basket. Don't foul them. Put your hands up. Here this way, sir. Please. <laughs> Crazy, ridiculous. I I'd rather have it that they foul a lot. Honestly, at least you're trying to That's hit true. somebody. Here. It is UTSA, by the way. Yeah. Okay. See, that makes sense. That's yeah. good. That's a good shout. See, that's our our basketball knowledge right here, of of UTSA women's basketball coming in handy. Yeah. All right, the Southland. We gotta give a shout out to the Southland here because AM Commerce is just four zero, leading the conference. We had questions coming into the year: Can they do it? Can they um, step up a level and do it? And all I gotta say is they are the second best six win team in the country, in my opinion. Six and ten overall. I'm down. I'm down um, for that. I'm down for they that. They did lose to Houston, so we I was gonna say they lost the one. On, they lost. They lost the playoff game between Houston for the best six win team. <laughs> Back when these teams were like fishing for wins, like I think yeah. that was like the second game of the year. We had Houston, UTSA, and AM Commerce in a little tournament in our heads. <laughs> yes. And Houston came out on top. So yep. congratulations to them. Give them the trophy. Raise the banner. Yep. Um, but yeah, a- Commerce 4 0, uh, be Incarnate Word, Nichols, McNeese, and Houston Christian. Houston Christian, as we talked about in the last podcast, we expected to be one of the top teams in in the whole conference here. So uh, a win over them where Diana Robinson only scores 11 points on three of 16 shooting. Uh, as a team, they shoot sub 40%, but they lock down and they hold Houston Christian to under 40% shooting. I mean, they're winning in some different ways, and mm-hmm. I want to give a shout-out to uh, AM uh, Commerce. Yeah, definitely. Um, what are the standings now? I didn't check. I just had them up. Let's see. Commerce 4-0 to lead the way. Southeastern beat um, – Corpus Christi, so they're both three and one now. I think that's a okay. you know, and then uh, Lamar uh, lost to where'd it go? Lamar lost to uh, Nichols, which is a disappointing okay. loss. But yeah, you know, man, um, that's that's gonna this is gonna be a fun wa- uh, Southland race, man. Right? You got Commerce. Houston, I mean, right now, like you mentioned, Commerce right now top leading five. the back. Yeah, the top five are good. Are interesting. Yeah. Commerce, Corpus Christi, Southeastern, Lamar, Houston, Christian. Well, it's still at that it's still at that early phase where, like, you know, Incarnate Words one and three, but like, that's nuts that like they're three games back of first. You know, like it's just going to be one of those conferences where, unless like Commerce, uh, like the top three, like are in position to maybe run away with it, but again, that's still like three games between them and the bottom team, right? That's kind of that's still like in that early phase of like Commerce could go on a losing streak and all of a sudden be like eighth. Right. So 
Um, I agree. I think the top five is probably the what we should look at, but it's it's close enough to where I'm still kind of intrigued with the whole race as, as a whole. And the final um, team I wanted to talk about today was UT Arlington, who is now one and four on the women's side. Um, we had high expectations for this team coming into the year. Very uh, high. Let, let me look up where we had them finishing. Go for it. Um, coming into the year in conference play. Let's see. I feel like it was top five, probably. Top I think three, it was very, very high. Let's see. Um, UTA, we both have them at 13 and five. They are one and four. Mm. And mm. Um, they lost oh to... God. I was about to say, they got shellacked by ACU. They got beat by UTRGV, and then they just lost to Grand Canyon. Yeah. Yeah. Not good. So, um, and I and ACU and RGV aren't even you know that that good this right. year. Like Grand Canyon, I can I can I can understand, but um, those two, and then I mean, the, it feels like their their schedule is really back heavy too. That's the worst part is they that's have Tarleton RGV as their next two games. Like that's their winnable games. Then they still have uh, they still have to play SFA twice. They have to play Grand Canyon again. They have to play Sam Houston later in the year. They have to play the Utah team, Seattle, so on and so forth. Like, there's there's a there's not a clear path here mm-hmm. to them picking themselves up. Yeah. Like, they better win the next two games. And yeah, oh, play SFA. So, because if not, then you're really really going to be towards the bottom. So, and like the frustrating because- part is like Star Jacobs is still putting up numbers, right? Like she's still like 19 points a game in conference. Uh, 8.8 rebounds. He, the kind of the problem, though, is one, this isn't a team that shares the ball very well. She, uh, Jer, Jerry Washington has three three assists per game, and she's leading the team. But both her and Star Jacobs, uh, Washington has almost three turnovers per game, which, again, basically equals her assists. And then Star Jacobs averages more turnovers per game than assists. And those are their only two playmakers. Like Nia Threat kind of averages two assists per game, but they don't share the ball a ton. Uh, I'm just noticing Star Jacobs averages four fouls a game. Like they, So, like, her minutes are obviously being shaken up a bit, probably by being benched yeah. in the late uh, second quarter or something like that. Yeah, this is a fascinating team. And just in terms of, like, they're not struggling in the way I thought they would struggle. Right? I mean, like, if, 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 is, yeah, go ahead. Uh, Kira White is still – I mean, she's shooting 39% from three on the season. I don't have the conference stats in front of me. But she was shooting 39% from three on the season, 14 points a game. Like, I her assist turnover is not great, but she's still at least the most efficient uh, shooter on this team. They don't have another shooter here. Right. I'm looking at it. Like, everybody else is 30% and below uh, from three. So, um, yeah, not uh, not a good start for what we still I still consider to be one of the more talented teams in the WAC. Yeah, yeah, disappointing. <laughs> yeah, we got we got we got to go through our predictions at some point uh, because yeah, well, I was about to say it might be I'm trying to think maybe at the end of this month it'd be a good it'd be good like a good like yeah. heat check just to be like hey how are we doing because not good that, i was about to say we're probably not doing good north all texas women's basketball i had them at 12 and 8 <laughs> oh i'll be happy if they go 2 and 18 <laughs> Jesus Christ. um yeah nah, it's 
it's not it's not awful. AM Corpus Christi, AM Commerce. Okay. Anyways, we'll get to that in another podcast. Decent. Yeah, well, I'm I'm sure we did we did all right. The men's side, I think we did better than the women's. Yeah. Houston, SMU. We were way too I was way too high on SMU men. That's disgusting. Yeah. Anyways. All right. Well, that's all we have for y'all today. Hope y'all enjoyed the episode. Um, I looked ahead a little bit. I don't think there's anything crazy coming up this weekend. Um, Yeah, I didn't see much of a... I mean, I skimmed and I didn't see anything. It was like, wow, this is must-see. But I'm sure there'll be something that that pops up um, over the weekend. But we'll be back on Tuesday with another episode. We appreciate y'all for joining us. Follow us on um spotify apple wherever you're listening leave us a five-star rating and review you can subscribe to us on youtube as well um we are on twitter at dct basketball we tweet out all the podcasts with links to youtube and all that good stuff if you haven't already send this to a friend let us know what you think uh interact with us uh, whether it's on twitter on youtube or anything like that we appreciate y'all for joining us and we will talk to y'all later